This is Channel 253. In this episode of Citizen Tacoma. Running for office is one of the most rewarding things you can do. Um, You're going to make friends. You're going to meet people, learn new things. You're going to um, be tested. Um, Your endurance is going to be tested. Your courage is going to be tested. And your integrity is going to be tested, too. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Welcome back to another episode of Citizen Tacoma. I am your host, Eric Hanberg, and we are previewing uh, filing week. What is that and what does it mean for candidates and the election season coming up? My guest is County Auditor Julie Anderson, uh, who has run for office, of course, many times herself, uh, who has insight to share about uh, navigating filing week for, for candidates and some tips and tricks. We also talk about uh, what's happening with redistricting and uh, some of the national efforts uh, to discredit the election. So there's a lot here. Stick around. Welcome back uh, to Citizen Tacoma. My guest today is Pierce County Auditor Julie Anderson. Julie, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much. And you caught me without my Citizen Tacoma mug. (laughs) I have one of the very few in existence, I think. We need to figure out how to start selling these again now that we're in election season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's really good to have you back. You are probably uh, the most common visitor on this podcast. Uh, Common is the wrong word. Frequent. The most frequent visitor. um, And uh, wonderful to have because you tell us what is happening civically. And it's really wonderful to have you back. So, Thank you. Uh, big picture, candidate filing week is the week where folks have five days to officially say that they want to be on the ballot. Yep. Uh, so right now you can go to PierceCountyElections.org and uh, and right at the top, we've got a link for candidate filing. It's called I Want to Run for Office. And going from there, uh, we tell you everything you need to know. Um, but let's start with the dates. It's May 17th through the 21st. So that's Monday through Friday. Um, and the last day to withdraw your candidate filing is May 24th. But we'll get that to that later when we talk about tips and tricks for okay. newcomers that may be thinking about running. Um, in, it's a it's an odd year election cycle, and odd year always means local. So we have got city and town councils, fire districts, school districts, park districts, and then some obscure water and sewer districts. I think most of the listeners to Citizen of Tacoma are um, probably going to be interested in the city council races and uh, school races and maybe parks. Um Key Peninsula and Metro Parks are significant park districts with a yep. lot of exciting things going on. And uh, we've got some offices open there. And the port the port is up this year, too. Uh, right. Yeah. And uh, it's been interesting. You know, the 20, what, I'm counting back two years, the 2019 port elections were uh, a really big deal. And I feel like, uh, at least in my circles, no one's talking about the port. So I'm interested to see what what uh, if who's running there. 
Uh, right. And w when we talk about tips and tricks, we will also talk about um, about that storied past, the last, the last uh, court race where we had somebody that didn't withdraw their candidacy in a timely manner and it ended up triggering, maybe that was two cycles ago, and ended up triggering an unnecessary primary. Oh, wow. And that person that didn't want to be on the ballot was printed on the ballot and appeared in the um, voter pamphlet, whether he liked it or not. Well, um, uh, let's finish up the basics. Uh, the basics, then. So, so this upcoming—not uh, this next week, because uh, this is airing on the ninth—but the week after, folks have from Monday morning until Friday afternoon to right. officially say that they want to be candidates. What's different from that versus like the PDC filing that some some folks are? Uh, yeah, exactly. Now. We've got some people that contact us saying, where can I find people who have filed for office? You don't have anything. Well, you haven't filed until you filed in candidate filing week, but lots of candidates, if they're smart, the minute they've decided they are going to run for office and that they're going to be raising money, you have to file with the PDC, the Public Disclosure Commission. So before you file for office with us, May 17th through the 21st, you might want to check out who's already uh, actively engaged and maybe hasn't made the newspaper by going to the pdc.org and, and searching for who has filed as a candidate and how much money they've already raised. That would be a wise idea. Um, and they won't be appearing on our website until filing week. Until and the we'll moment that they actually file. Right. And we'll be updating uh, uh, on a daily basis um, uh, as soon as we can who has filed for each seat. Um, you know, it's it's it. I don't want to discourage people, but um, May 17th is practically tomorrow. And if you haven't already done your homework, uh, you're going to be. Um, you're going to be caught flat-footed, and that makes your campaign a little bit harder. Can, um, can I tell yeah. you a personal story about that? Please. I don't know that I've ever shared this with too many people. So in 2005, I had uh, my dad and I and my wife, uh, we went to every single park. Uh, it was like a New Year's resolution. And so I was really engaged in the parks. And on a wild hair, I was like, you know, I should run for the park board. Like, I'm learning so much about parks. And I did it at the last minute. Um, yeah. And just threw my hat in there, not knowing um, anything. It turns out I had thrown my hat in for the seat that Victoria Woodards was in, which, you know, someone who was actually prepared to run and who had planned to run. And, and I was like, wait a minute. And, and then the, those dates that you're talking about, they start coming fast. Like, you need to have your voters pamphlet, uh, yes. you know, uh, yeah. very quickly. Um, you can't yeah. just file and then hope to turn that around in, you know, a couple of days. No. Like, that caught me off guard. Um, I get a call from Dave Sego, the head of the uh, editorial board of the News Tribune at the time, and he's ready to schedule an interview. And I'm, And it's just like... I felt like I was being pummeled. Like I was just like, I, I am not ready for this. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't plan ahead. Like I gave, I, it was like a truly a spur of the moment thing. And, and I went and through. Aren't we glad, and aren't we glad that you did that? Um, I, you know, you've been a great commissioner um, and it's not well, impossible, you know. I actually, no, I withdrew. Oh, you did. Yeah. I did. I withdrew. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I, I was not ready for this. Okay. Um, it was, 10 no it was uh it was five years later 
that I got oh, on okay. Discord. Okay. Having okay. actually like paid attention to things in advance. Uh, that, <laughs> that was the key. Paying attention to things in advance was the real lesson for me. And 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 that thanks for sharing that story because um, uh, late candidates are going to be drinking out of a fire hose. Yes. Um, so, you know, candidate filing ends on uh, May 21st, which is a Friday, and the online filing portal closes promptly at 4, but our office doors will stay open until 4.30. Um, and if yeah. you're in the door by 4, you know, before 4.30, um, you can still file online at our kiosk and, and we'll help you. Um and then right after that, you know, if you decide that the final lineup is intimidating or you didn't know that your best friend or your dad was going to be filing for the same seat, <laughs> then um, you can withdraw um, until May 20, uh, May 24th. But I, I got to warn people, uh, you're not going to get your money back. So um, park districts, school districts don't have filing fees, at least the ones in our district. Um, but city of Tacoma... Um, those are those are real jobs, if you will, with annual salaries, and um, uh, it amounts to one percent of the annual salary. And if you go on our page and go to the information for candidates page, we've got a we've got a hyperlink to all the open offices, and that open offices document tells you how much the filing fee is ahead of time. Um, it also tells you the terms of the office. And Im importantly, if you're thinking about um, school and city, uh, some of those have residency requirements. And yeah. the city of Tacoma, because it's a charter, um, a, a charter a city, it has different residency requirements than most of the other towns and, and, and cities. In the city of Tacoma, you have to have resided in the district that you're filing for for two years, not one year. Hmm. Uh, normally, it's one year, and we do see people get tripped up by that. So um, make sure you check out the open offices link on our webpage so you, you can um, be double sure that you're qualified to vote. Yeah. Uh, qualified to, um, yeah, to run. Yeah. yeah. And then and then people can move around, too. And this is, you know, 2011, my, my first race. Um, I didn't have an opponent until, uh, Friday afternoon. Um, the person who eventually yeah. ran against me had filed for school board that turned into a primary, which he decided he didn't want to run a primary withdrew from that and then ran against me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had an opponent at the very last minute, having gotten through that week thinking, uh, yeah. thinking it was going to be free and clear. Well, since you opened the door to strategery, uh, let me tell you uh, something else that sometimes takes people by surprise or is um, kind of uh, manipulated by uh, savvy election consultants. Uh, all of the races that we're talking about are nonpartisan this year. And Washington state law has a wonky uh, law about what triggers primaries. And it's different for nonpartisan and partisan uh, races. So... In nonpartisan races, uh, you're not going to appear, there won't be a primary election unless three or more candidates uh, file and stay in the race. So um, if only two people are running for the same seat, you're not going to appear on the primary ballot or in the primary voter pamphlet. It'll only, you will only appear um, in November. So you know, for a uh, an incumbent that has, you know, good name recognition and experience running, you know, it's great to skip the primary. Uh, 
because your opponent's not going to get as much attention um, and isn't going to be introducing themselves to voters in a, in a government publication. You're probably not going to be invited to a lot of uh, candidate forums and debates um, because people are waiting for you to appear in November. Right. So for some people, a late start only appearing in one election is an advantage. For others, it's not. Um, so that's something for people to consider. Uh, if two candidates are filed uh, and you're the third one to jump in, you're going to be triggering a, a primary and a general uh, election. When, when I was running, uh, Mayor Strickland, now uh, Congresswoman Strickland, told me, she said, hope for a primary, which to me sounded at the yes. time ab- absurd. I was like, why would I why would I want another election? Um, but, you know, as August was rolling around, I was like, man, it would be really nice to know how I was doing. Right. I mean, like, like in the like, I still have what two, three more months of this. Right. And I could be a thousand votes ahead. I could be a hundred votes behind. I have no idea. Right. It's like the longest project I've ever done without knowing how it's going. Right. Um, it would have been really nice to just like get that check in. Like, and if I lose, hey, at least I get the rest of the summer and fall, you know, <laughs> without uh, having to run an election. Uh, exactly. And I think primaries are good for voters. Um, I, I think that it's important for voters to know who's in office, have lots of advance um uh, notice and also to help winnow down and make selections about who the top two are going to be in November. So I, I personally think primaries are important. They're good for voters. It's good for democracy. Um, it may not be good for whatever strategy some people have, but primaries are good. Um, the other advantage to having a primary is if you're a newcomer to um, the political world and this is the first time running for office, donors um, and influencers are not going to know who you are. And they also want to know how you're performing before they invest in you. So triggering a primary and performing well, even if you come in second place, if you're in that top two, that signals to um, some of the political action committees and donors and political parties and activists that uh, you're in it to win it and that you're electable um, so you can really uh, advance your your fundraising as well as your public profile. So yeah. uh, are there any other tips and tricks uh, that you want to mention for, for folks who are considering this for the first time? Uh, so if, if you're on the fence right now and you're still not sure you're going to file in um, between May 17th and 21st, uh, do me a favor, get prepared anyway, because if you decide at the last minute that this is something that you want to do, as Eric said, the voter pamphlet comes up almost immediately. Um, and the voter pamphlet- You need a is, headshot for that. Yeah, like exactly. That. I mean, that is due on May 28th. Um, and the last day is May 21st, right? So be getting a headshot, read our jurisdiction, read our manual for candidates. There's a link really easy to find on our website um, at piercecountyelections.org. Read that manual, um, get a headshot and start drafting your candidate statement. Um, Generally, you know, these statements are, uh, you know, a 100 word limit biography, a statement uh, limit for these local races is 200 words or just four paragraphs. And a photo that has some, you know, pretty clear specifications. Yes, it Um, does. Yeah. Um, so do that anyway. 
if you're interested in an office, you're probably already doodling essays and letters to the editor and all this other stuff. Um, so go ahead and crystallize that into your candidate statement, get a good headshot, read our manual, and then you can pull the trigger during candidate filing. And the other thing is um, start researching, you know, look at the PDC website so that you know what your filing obligations are. There's nothing worse than starting your campaign and immediately having your opponent file a complaint against you. And there's a finding that you missed, you, you missed a report or didn't do something appropriately. Um, so that's a tip. Uh, the other tip is um, making sure that you pay attention to the last date to withdraw, May 24th. Um, because if you don't make that deadline and you withdraw May 25th, sorry, Charlie, uh, you're going to appear on the ballot anyway. Um, and that's confusing to voters and uh, might damage the candidate that you support, you know, the reason that you decided to withdraw. So you don't want to do that. Um, and then, again, be knowledgeable about what triggers a primary and what doesn't and be prepared for that. Yeah. Um, another thing that surprises people is, um, let's say you're in a race and a, and a primary is triggered, so you're going to appear in the primary and the general. Most people don't realize that what you submit for your voter pamphlet um, due on May 28th is what's going to appear in November. You don't get to do it twice. So uh, when you're writing that statement, uh, play your long game. I mean, really look out into the horizon and say, if, if any of these people were my final opponent in November, what is the case I want to make to citizens and voters? Um, and write with uh, that in mind, because you don't get to mix it up and tailor it to a November election. That's really good advice. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing that's going on right now is uh, redistricting. Mm, that's right. And, how, how is and, that affecting things? <laughs> uh, it's going to have no effect in in this uh, candidate filing period. So if you're going to if you're aiming to be on the ballot in 2021, you're all good. You don't need to worry about this. Uh, this is going to impact races in 2022 and beyond. Uh, so this, because of COVID, the census is late delivering its population data. Um, normally, we would get this and uh, it would be delivered to the um, Washington State Redistricting Commission and then get pushed out to us in April. And it's not going to get pushed out to us until uh, the end of September. Wow. Uh, but we, for those races that are going to be in 2022, we have to have all the lines drawn and do all the re-precincting by um, December. Well, the local jurisdictions need to have their um, lines drawn, their internal boundaries drawn by December 31st of this year. Hmm. So from September 30th through December 31st. That's a very short time period. Is. I've been doing a lot of outreach. Our association, the Washington State Association of County Auditors has been doing a lot of uh, presentations to other associations like the fire district association, school district directors, um, PUDs, public utilities. And we've been alerting them to this and asking them to get started now because while we're waiting for that population data, um, there's a lot that can be done. You've, you can 
You can go back and look at what you did 10 years ago. You need to hire GIS teams or a redistricting master. Um, you need to decide what your public process is going to be. Uh, lots, lots of things like that. So we're trying to light a fire under everybody because at the end of the day in 2022, May, the third week of May is going to come around and I've got to have all of those lines drawn and all of the internal precincts drawn. We have 7,500 precincts in Washington state and I've got to make sure that none of them have more than 1,500 active registered voters and I've got to fit all those precincts inside of those internal lines and uh, work and work really hard to make sure we don't have split precincts. And then we've got to observe geography and census geography. Um, uh, so it's a big job in a short period of time. So not going to affect anybody on the 2021 ballot, but it will hit heavily in 2022 with those county races, the state congressional races. And then it'll have an after effect because um, these local races all have staggered all have staggered seats, right? So then the next crop in 2023 will be affected uh, by the change in, in um, geography. That's a, that's, that's a big job. It's a big job for everybody. Um, so don't worry about it right now, but pay attention. And for listeners, uh, start getting engaged now. Um, it's, you know, start contacting local jurisdictions and asking them how to engage with redistricting because public input is important. It's especially important for uh, cities and for counties. Um, and the Washington State Redistricting Commission has been meeting now for, I think, at least four months. They've got a website stood up. Uh, um, they finally hired an executive director and they're already starting work uh, while they're waiting for population data. And just one point of clarification, lots of people have read in the paper that we already know that Washington State isn't going to gain another uh, congressional district. So they, they're probably wondering, well, the census did release their data. No, the census just uh, released the apportionment data, which is mm. you know the head count. Um, but the population data with um, data points on race, ethnicity, um, households, it, it, that's what we're waiting for because we can't redistrict without that data because w one of the tenets of redistricting is that you've got to draw lines in a way that don't um, cr disadvantage or advantage any uh, party, any candidate, and uh and it's got to um, not harm any communities of common interest. And you really can't. Uh, and to be clear, that's a Washington state law. We have a nonpartisan redistricting commission or a bipartisan redistricting uh, commission. Well, and other states have heavily gerrymandered such setups. Well, um, everything that I just said is actually uh, enshrined in the in, in the Constitution oh. and federal laws. Oh. Uh, what's happening, though, is some states, uh, they don't, their state laws um, aren't, um, uh, aren't as restrictive. And I'll talk about the Washington State Voting Rights Act in just a second. And um, that's why some of those jurisdictions get sued um, and why they're still um, in court because they're in violation of federal law. Um, now, Washington State, I think pretty wisely said, well, we've seen how we've seen how um, federal law can change. Uh, we want to enshrine these protections in state law uh, in case the federal laws are weakened. And so the Washington State Voting Rights Act passed. But 
really most of the uh, principles of fairness, nonpartisan, uh, respecting communities of common interest, all that stuff is uh, mirrors federal law. But now it's enshrined in state law in case something happens. So I think that was pretty wise. Uh, Another unique feature of that um, Washington State Voting Rights Act is it gives uh, the go-ahead or the clearance for local jurisdictions to go from at-large directions to uh, single member district elections. Uh, and they can do that without, be, because our election law in the past wouldn't allow jurisdictions just to make that decision and do it. Now they have clearance to do it. So um, the city of Tacoma and the city of Puyallup already have internal single member districts. Uh, but for other t- cities, like I'm just going to use um, Lakewood as an example, because Lakewood has a pretty darn diverse um, population. um, And they could on their own, either during this redistricting cycle that's going on in 2021 or afterwards at any time, they could go from at-large elections to internal district elections. Um, Looking at that U.S. population data and um, listening to constituents or um, anticipating that you could have a, you know, minority majority district, or um, there's communities of interest that are congregated in one area where you may want to go to internal districts. And that's true uh, of Tacoma School Board and Metro Parks. I mean, true as well. It you is. Know, all of all, both of these two or, uh, junior municipalities are uh, at large. We're all at large. Right. Interesting. Right. Okay. Right. And um, some of the elected officials and, um, you know, managers that I'm talking to are, are panicking a little bit. Um, we've got this late census data coming in. Redistricting is happening. Um, we're asking them to meet a 2021 deadline, although the, this, the legislature this year gave them a little bit of breathing room. Um, So counties and the state offices have to meet a December 31st, 2021 deadline for redistricting. Everybody else that's going to, uh, everybody that's in even, excuse me, odd year elections, they gave them an extra year to do redistricting. We're, We're begging people to not take that extra year for redistricting. But anyway, people are kind of panicking and they're kind of thinking, how do we, how do we prepare ourselves uh, for WAVRA implementation and redistrict at the same time. And they're thinking they have to do it all at the same time. They don't. Um, county auditors are happy to have you redistrict anytime, you know, go, go to internal districts anytime you want to. Got it. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I want to uh, take a quick break for a sponsor. And then when we come back, I want to uh, dig in about uh, election integrity and what's happening uh, nationally. So yeah. stick around. This is Doug Mackey, producer at Channel 253 and proud Alaska Airlines frequent flyer. What are you excited about in 2021? For me, it's travel. Doesn't that sound amazing right now? I spent most of 2020 looking at the same four walls in my studio, so I'm more excited than ever to get out and see the world. I want to sit in a coffee shop in some new city and read a book, or visit a museum, or visit archaeological sites like Tikal in Mexico. Ugh, it feels so good to think of these things. I know there's a lot to get through before some of that will happen. 
But where last year it was hard to think more than a week in advance, I have the confidence to actually start planning some vacations now. And that's where Alaska Airlines comes in. I'm not going to the travel sites. I go directly to alaskaair.com and book my travel because I want great customer service and direct flights to my favorite destinations. I also trust Alaska to keep me safe during travel right now. Their standards for social distancing and reduced touch travel are incredibly high. So if you're excited as I am about getting out to see the country, or you have to travel for essential work right now, start with Alaska. Do what I do and skip the travel sites and visit alaskaair.com to book your next flight. Thank you, Alaska Airlines, for taking me where I want to go in 2021, and thank you for your support of Channel 253. Welcome back. Thank you to our sponsor and thank you to the members of Channel 253 who are supporting this podcast and many others with a $4 a month membership or $40 a year. It is truly appreciated. It help, helps keep the lights on, keeps Doug pressing record, uh, and uh, we really appreciate it. So if you'd like to support this podcast, channel253.com slash membership. Thank you very much. And we are back with Julie Anderson. You talked a, talked a little bit about, um, you know, maybe some of the the, the national uh, politics where mm-hmm. some states are in violation of, you know, as uh, of honoring, you know, these redistricting lines. And it just got me thinking about one of the other big national things that we're seeing right now, which is an intense effort to still discredit the 2020 election. There is, uh, the Republican Party uh, is doing a recount in Arizona. Um, oh, hey, you uh, you need to put air quotes around that. Air quotes it, around it, recount? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yes. they are not. They, they are, yeah. they are they're, they're going after something that is, that is not there. Is that accurate? Uh, they're, they're fussing around with ballots and election equipment in an unscientific, untransparent way. Uh, not utilizing experts who know anything about elections. So, so let that. me let, let me just start with this basic question: uh, Was the 2020 uh, presidential election and all other races in 2020 a free and fair election? Uh, oh, absolutely. Are the efforts that are happening right now endangering the 2024 presidential election? Do you think that we're at risk of starting to lose our faith in our election system as a country? Uh, nationally, I'm I, not yeah, not talking yeah, about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of noise and a lot of um, conflicting information. I don't think that that necessarily translates into voters losing their faith. I, I'm, I'm kind of guessing here. We'll know okay. more in the federal in the in the midterm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when mm-hmm. we have some hot federal um, and state elections, Congress, uh, we'll, Senate, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll know more um, at our next federal election about voter behavior and turnout and and stuff like that. But I'm not ready to say that um, Americans have lost faith in their elections. Um, th- there's this phenomenon where you, you've got. Um, uh, people score the integrity of um, Congress. And then they score the integrity of uh, local elected officials. And <laughs> the closer you get to home, the more you trust how your vote was counted. Um, 
And it's always something out there. Well, well, that state screwed it up or boy, I didn't trust what I saw in Minnesota. <laughs> but the closer you get to home, the more confident people are about the integrity of the elections. And, and mm. we cast ballots at home. So I'm not ready to throw in the towel here. And I think that um, people are, um, based on partisanship, are nodding their heads and agreeing with some really outlandish positions as part of their partisan narrative. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they that the majority of people don't trust how their vote is counted. And there were some really interesting graphs that we were watching uh, prior to the election, during the election, and after the election. And 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 the trend is kind of normal, where um, as you get closer to the election, confidence is high. Voters have high confidence that their vote okay. is going to be counted correctly. And then depending on who wins, the, the, the lines on the graph chart just plummet or escalate. <laughs> uh, but that happens every election. Interesting. Yeah. I, I guess I have some, uh, one of the things that, that is giving me pause is, you know, my understanding is, is that in some states, uh, uh, what is usually Republicans in the legislature have been trying to assert more authority over um over, you know, what would be like a secretary of state role, like what we saw in Georgia, um, where uh, Raffensperger, is that right? Um, You know, stood up for the fairness and the integrity of the elections. That might not uh, happen. Um, So that, I think that's where some of my, my fear comes from is, is just whatever's happening in that situation. Yeah, no, um, there, in, in terms of government rule of law, uh, that is, that is very serious. Um, um, and what's happening in Arizona is incredibly dangerous. Um, and we are starting to see, I mean, there's a, always been, um, legislation introduced in Congress, um, from both parties to air quote reform elections. And I am personally, uh, as concerned as I am about, um, state legislatures commandeering and interfering in elections. I am equally concerned about federalized um, mandates to states. Um, in what way? I, well, I know that a lot of um, people are excited about HR1. Um, and that's and the I, Democrats uh, in the House of Representatives, right. their attempts for election reform. Yeah. And just about every item in that bill, Washington state already does. So it's almost like they took the Washington state model and enshrined it in a bill. Um, But they want, but the goal is to um, impose Washington state's model on all states. Um, And everybody's probably cheering in the background. (laughs) Yes, we do it right. I trust these elections. We've got great turnout. Um, But the winds always change. And do you really want... Uh, do you really want conservatives or people that um, are promoting conspiracy theories to come up with their own bill? And then when they're in the majority, impose it on states. Right. Um, I I think. um, Yeah, I'm concerned about federal interference with local election law. And I think that I think that the good role for um, for for Congress and federal law is to uh, uh, Tell us what, not how. 
So, for example, I, I wrote a letter of endorsement for one piece of legislation um, that, that was an element of H.R. 1, but it, it's also in a standalone bill about the enfranchisement of felons. Um, and it, the law that's been proposed basically says as soon as you're out of custody, you have um, you you have your franchise back. You can register to vote and vote. You don't have to um, be under community custody. It, it's basically what our Washington State Legislature um, just passed. Okay. Um, it it ignores um, fines, fees, restitutions, those legal financial obligations, and also whether you're in a work release program. Um, so it just makes it very clear that once you are out of prison, you can vote. Um, so I wrote a letter of support because that's an appropriate role, I think, for the federal government to say who can legally vote. And having that uniform across the state makes a lot of sense. Um, but uh, particular mandates about uh, ballot drop boxes, um, defining the period of early voting, um, federalizing that uh concerns me because then they're getting into means and methods. And that's and where you see the, the, the chance of a boomerang, if I understand. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's great that, um, that Washington state and Colorado are the stars of the show that um, they, that people want to adopt many of our means and methods. Um, but I, I worry about that pendulum swing and having the feds get involved. So I don't know enough about like uh, the voting you know, the Voting Rights Act uh, that was passed in the 60s and some of that stuff. But, um, you know, they were trying to prohibit racial discrimination. Yes. yes. Um, were they doing it? Were they, were they telling you how or were they just trying to change it? Like, like I, I guess I want to see where you see that line there. Uh, well, yeah. So um, DOJ is constantly monitoring to see if um, any uh, election method or mean uh, discriminates against uh, any protected class. So that's very appropriate, but there's a, a lot of different ways for uh, states and jurisdictions to um, make sure that they're including and removing barriers. Um, so so the, 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 the enforcement or the, uh, the tools are already there in some ways is, if, to, to mm -hmm. make sure that this is not uh, unfairly disenfranchising someone. Yeah, if, if, I mean, if someone but, would just pick it up. Yeah, but you know, lawsuits are expensive. Yeah, um, they're they're difficult. It it requires um, it re it requires a partnership with um, organizations that have that legal muscle. Um, so citizens may have the standing in court, but bringing a lawsuit is is hard and expensive. Yeah. Um. But but the enforcement mechanism is there and. There are many different means and methods for protecting people's rights. Yeah. Okay. Um, I appreciate uh, you sharing your thoughts on that. I do want to uh, close this episode with with coming back to our local elections again. We were talking about some of the tips and tricks uh, of running for office, uh, some of the the you know the fire hose of stuff that comes comes at you when you <laughs> uh, uh, fill out your your uh, filing week and you say I'm a candidate. Um, and I don't want anyone to be discouraged uh, because running for office has right. a lot of really great sides. And I wonder what was your first time running for office like and, and what was that office for? 
I ran uh, my my first elected office was running for Tacoma City Council in at large position seven. Um, so, uh, and and it was something that I planned and prepared for. <laughs> it's a good um, way to do it. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, but was a political novice for sure. Um, I didn't hook up with any fancy campaign manager, strategist. Um, I pretty much just did it on my own. Um, and, and it was hard work, but a lot of fun. And running for office is one of the most rewarding things you can do. Um, you're going to make friends, you're going to meet people, learn new things, you're going to um, be tested, um, your endurance is going to be in- tested, your courage is going to be in- tested, and your integrity is going to be tested too. Um, yeah. And, and to be clear, you, you did have help, right? Uh, running for a citywide office, if I recall, you had uh, someone helping you out. Uh, it wasn't oh, just oh, you yeah. running it all on your own. Oh, well, sure. Um, so I hired graphic artists for my mail pieces. Um, I hired a part-time person to help with phones and correspondence. Um, and, you know, everybody's got to make their own decisions about, and, and of course, you've got, you've got to have a campaign treasurer. <laughs> that's the other thing. And um, in terms of preparing to run for office, I would say that's probably item number two. And that's a volunteer figuring- position, right? Yeah. Frequently, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, frequently, yeah. Uh, is find out who your treasurer is going to be and make sure that they get the training, which is free through the PDC, and make sure that they are really going to be paying attention and you can rely on them uh, for that record keeping and report writing. Uh, my dad was my treasurer for Mine every too. campaign I've run. Yeah. Mine yeah, too. yeah. <laughs> and so having somebody that's really close to you um, and that you can trust uh, is, is a good move. So I certainly had help like that, but in terms of engaging a firm, uh, which typically is going to do everything for you, um, that that is what I didn't have the money to do. <laughs> and I think a lot of first-time candidates are going to um, uh, engage family and friends to fill those roles of, can you can you book me at um, campaign debates? Can you get me to these fundraisers? And boy, I um, I did not run during COVID. You know, I am, I am really, um, uh, pressed to think about how to run a campaign in a pandemic where you're, because so much of what, uh, you and I both did was showing up in public at events, introducing ourselves, shaking hands, uh, going door to door, um, and that may or may not be available in this campaign season. And it's certainly going to be muted. Uh, even if it's even if even if you are able to get out and about, um, so that's going to make other types of communication, your written communication, your virtual stuff. It's going to you're going to have to have different ends. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, more Instagram live but videos. I, but or I something would encourage like that. people to do it. And the other thing is, by by running for office, you're probably going to increase voter turnout too. Um, by triggering that primary, um, by reaching out to voters. Uh, the one thing, the, the most important variable that affects voter turnout is a person-to-person engagement. So the more candidates that are in a race, if they're really serious and they're really running, the more the higher the turnout is going to be. Hmm. So really make it, yeah, so make it a competitive race. Help us turn out voter turnout. And um, 
the more people of color that are filed in a race guarantees an increase in that population's participation and turnout. It's amazing what happens when you can see somebody that looks like you or represents your values, what that does to engagement. It's it's pretty significant. Hmm. So that's another reason um, as you're contemplating running for office to check out who's running and uh, do, do they represent um, your, your friends, your organization, your values. And if not, plug that hole, file to run, and then take it seriously. Um, it, that's, that's super important. We don't want people filing for office um, on a whim. I mean, a whim is okay, but you, you've got, you've got it. You really need to commit yourself uh, to running. Um, I remember when I um, was talking to folks about running for, for the parks board and uh, I was talking to a, a lawyer who had once run for judge. He had lost, and mm-hmm. he had he had told me it was still one of the best experiences of his yeah. life because he found new things about himself. Um, you know that you know that he didn't know were there. As you talked about, you know the dedication, yeah. the reserves, the perseverance, all of that yeah. stuff. Um, and, yeah. and another reason to run, even if you think that you're an underdog is um, name recognition. There are lots of amazing people in our community who ran one, two times before they got elected. Um, And maybe it'll take that. And one piece of advice I gave somebody once is um, when she was trying to decide whether to run or not, I said, "If, if you knew that you were going to run and lose, would you still do it? So <laughs> that that really that really gets that really gets to why are you running, um, and gets to that integrity and endurance piece, um, and can you commit to running again? If you lose, will you commit to running again? Uh, see, create a vision for yourself of that long game because it may, for reasons that have nothing to do with you, you you may not make it into the into the general election you might not prevail and it might not have anything to do with your caliber um it sometimes it's just i don't know and you know sometimes sometimes you actually um you can impress people uh a lot with how you run the campaign where if you lose um, your phone starts ringing with with job offers like and yes. and I, I can think of some folks and I don't think it's fair to, to mention them necessarily by name but who who lost in the last you know in the last few election cycles and who then got very prominent uh, jobs in the community yeah. after that because they had so impressed people with yeah. um, their public speaking or their knowledge of the issues or whatever it was yes. um, that they ended up with a job that they maybe never would have gotten if they yes. had uh, if they hadn't run. Right. Uh, so it sets you up for the next election or it sets you up for the next job when you're going to meet a whole bunch of friends and allies. So right. there there really isn't a, a downside. Um, and I also want to say a word about money. Um, uh, it doesn't mean everything. It means something. But we've seen plenty of candidates who didn't raise as much money as the as their competitors, and they still prevailed. So money does not necessarily drive the outcome. So when you go visit- At least in smaller seats, like like the local ones here. Yes, yes. Hard hard work can can take place of money. It can. There is another benefit, of course, of of running to office, which is you might get uh, invited onto the Citizen Tacoma podcast, you know? (laughs) 
don't uh, don't take, don't discount that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Julie, is there anything else you want to add uh, before we wrap up here? No, uh, just visit PierceCountyElections.org. Even if you're just thinking about it or you're trying to poke your friend to run, do your homework. It's really easy. Be prepared so that if you are if you find yourself on the fence and then you say, yes, I'm jumping in, that you've um, that you're prepared. And we don't want anybody to lose a race because they were uninformed. Um, and by the way, the election staff at 798 vote, um, call them. Uh, there is no dumb question. And uh, an ethic that we have in our office from the top down is there is no dumb question. We, we treat questions with confidence. Um, we don't gossip. We don't hang up the phone and say, what a silly, I can't believe that. We don't do that. Um, so do not be afraid to call us with a question. Um, we're here to help. And 798 vote. 798 vote. I assume that's 253-798-VOTE. Of course it's 253, <laughs> channel 253. Just checking. Well, thank you so much uh, for sharing of your time this morning. And uh, I, I hope that people are listening to this and get inspired either to run this cycle or start planning for 2022 or 2023. Absolutely. Yeah. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Citizen Tacoma is part of the Channel 253 podcast network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounders B-Team, Crossing Division, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.